0: Teresa, what do you think of my new haircut? Podcast up front, party in the back. It's interesting. It's Schmanners. Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And
1: I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy.
0: And you're listening to Schmanners. It's
1: extraordinary
0: etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you?
1: Better now that my hiccups
0: are gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was touch and go there for a while. We almost didn't get... We almost didn't get a podcast. No, we would have gotten podcast, a podcast. podcast that almost wasn't. <laughs> I remember the day when the children lost the ability to podcast until Santa Claus came. Um... Hello, and gave,
1: and gave them the podcast back?
0: Gave them podcasts. Okay. The podcast that almost was it. Last week we had Halloween, this week Christmas. Apparently, <laughs> 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 it's, it's a weird time to be alive. It is a weird time. Hi, everybody. Uh, we're doing another episode. I don't know. Uh, I, sometimes I open my mouth and I start a sentence and I have no idea where said sentence is going.
1: All right. Well, how about we we started off
0: well i was going to say that this is a very important um uh, listeners at home maybe mm, if they know anything about me may already know this i am very particular about my hair um and i remember uh being very young uh like 12 maybe and my family uh minus my mom my brothers and my dad always went and like got a haircut like fantastic sam's and my mom would like actually go you know to a salon and go to a non-chain place and i remember being like 12 or 13 and going to my mom and being like i do not want to go to fantastic sam's anymore i want to go to a fancy place like you and she was like okay
1: Was it the quality of the haircut that was lacking or was it the experience of a salon that you wanted?
0: Uh, A little bit of both. I I think, and this is not a knock to anyone who works at Fantastic Sam's. I think there is probably a certain amount of like when a 13-year-old boy comes in and they're like, here's how I want my hair and gives like very specifics that you're like, "Mm, okay, whatever. (laughs) And um, I was just very, very, I've always had... um, My point of view has always been like when it comes to personal appearance, the thing you can control the most, at least this this was my like teenage thinking thing you could control the most is your hair your haircut and everything and i well, realized now you had
1: some problem skin right so yeah, your I, hair was I, I, pretty important as an adornment because yeah, your skin was uh, problematic
0: acne and stuff like that and also like wore glasses had big lips had a big head like stuff that like i didn't so much like about myself that i couldn't change but i could control how my hair looked mm. um and i remember very early on getting like very interested in uh you know like a uh, pompadour and like big hair cuz my hair naturally Stands up. Like, I have very uh, tall hair, naturally. And I remember being... You have
1: Dragon Ball Z-esque hair. I do. I have (laughs) anime hair.
0: uh, Days long. Um, And I remember being younger and trying to, like, get it to lay down. Because what I wanted, you wanted
1: the Sean Hunter. Yeah,
0: I wanted it to, I wanted it to part of the middle so bad that never happened. And then, like, I wanted it to kind of like lay down and look nice. But I had so many calyx and would stick up all over the place that when I was like real little, I ended up using just a ton of hairspray. There are pictures of me being a real minkus in like middle school where my hair is just like shellacked down because it stood up all over the place. And it wasn't until high school when like short, spiky hair kind of came into fashion for for people. And like it was it was my perfect haircut. And then when I started letting my hair get a little bit long and like the idea of it standing up, realized I could get a lot of volume to my hair by like blow drying it and, you know, not slacking it down. And ever since then, I have just have very tall hair. I like uh, your tall hair. Thank you. But so it, it became uh, appearance just became a very important thing to me. And I am very lucky that I live in a time where more and more people are getting used to the idea of um, less and less like gender boundaries as far as like, well, women go to salons and right. men go to barbershops and that's just how it is. And for a man to care about his appearance is a weird. And like, I I'm, I'm glad that that's not the guy. I mean, not entirely. Of course, we're still not there yet, but we're getting there. So like I go to a place now where, I may, it's if it's full, there's maybe one other, you know, like, person who identifies as male there, and mostly it's people who identify as women, and and yet still, no one's ever been like, hmm, how weird, how weird that Travis is here. Mm-hmm. Same as, like, when I get my nails painted, you know, it's it's very rarely commented on, uh, and when it is, I very rarely understand what they're commenting Let <laughs> Did I ever tell you that? But one time I got my nails painted, and I just moved back to Ohio, and uh, it was February, and I was going down for the uh, uh, premiere of the My Brother, My Brother and Me show in New York. So going up, I guess, going, I was getting my nails painted and this woman walked by and like put her hand on my shoulder and said, good for you. And I did not connect what she was talking about. And I thought somehow she knew my TV show was for me I was like, <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm very proud. Um, but so like when it comes to hair, and I also know now. I
1: don't really know what she was talking about.
0: I think Maybe. to have the bravery to get my nails painted.
1: I think it was your nail color choice. She really that. liked it's it. It's really good. It's, it's a, a really color like good a dark color. Dark blue and yeah. a dark red. Yeah.
0: Um, but I also know now that speaking of like gender identity and everything. Hair has become a very, very, very important thing for people because that that idea of, like, I can control how I look and I have the freedom to change this thing about me and that kind of stuff. So, like, you see, I I also think we live in a time of very, very, very interesting and very cool hairstyle. One of my, I I mean, I'll go ahead and give a spoiler for a later conversation, but I found the stylist I did in L.A. because I went to Rhea Butcher and Cameron Esposito and was like, hey, your hair is awesome. Where do you get your hair cut? <laughs> so I started going to that person. Right. Um, and, As did I. Yeah. And like, that's just a piece of advice here at the beginning. If you're trying to find a new stylist, pick out someone you know whose hair you like and ask them where they go. Go to that person. But like another person whose hair I love, Kate Leff has like a ama- like and that idea of like it's so interesting, and I, I I think we just live in a time of interesting hairstyles, damn it, so yes, speaking of time, <gasps> tell me about history
1: history so first, let's talk about barbering um there has always been a a kind of spiritual connection between the barber and the hair um in the way of like for example, ancient Egyptians were very particular about their body hair and the hair on their heads. Um, And uh, priests, especially, were often de-haired, completely hairless, uh, because it was some sort of, it was like, there was like a superstition around it. Maybe uh in some places, evil spirits maybe closer to their respective gods, who were often pictured as hairless um and even Sometimes just for
0: better slip and sliding, maybe you
1: know? maybe, and even Joseph was described as being shaved before seeing Pharaoh, so he didn't have a quote dirty face mm-hmm. i mean well, and it dirty, it was but. so
0: interesting if if and I'm Maybe pulling this out of my bottom, but if I remember correctly, they a lot of Egyptian like tradition was to like completely shave and then wear fake,
1: mm-hmm. wear hair. wigs and such. Yeah. yeah, And
0: To the fact where even uh, when women became pharaohs, they would still wear fake beards because right. that was the tradition.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. So when we get to the Greeks and the Romans and the Persians, that time period. 5th uh, century BCE in there, um, you talk about the idea of the barber shop, really, and it wasn't called like the barbershop, but you know what I mean.
0: It was called ye Olde Barber Shop,
1: <laughs> Having a very important place yes, in society. Yes, I know
0: that that's not how that's said. And then you don't pronounce the E, it's a joke, don't at me.
1: <laughs> the barbers Interesting
0: fact I'm going to jump in again. Do you know why it's ye?
1: Mm-hmm. I do actually You
0: do It's called the thorn We see it as a Y But that's not actually what it was It was a symbol For the the sound So rather than make The two separate letters Because oftentimes You paid by the letter To have signs made Or you just wanted to condense it So that Y Was actually a, a letter Called the thorn And that was the T-H sound So it wasn't pronounced ye It was still pronounced the Anyways, I, thanks Shakespeare Company. <laughs>
1: uh, was a place for uh, men to meet and socialize and gossip. Um, it also reflected a little bit of your status in society, which barber you went to, um, where it was located in the city, and such.
0: the The idea of it being a kind of community thing that's yeah h- has still continued in, in many ways. I mean, I I I will say that I mostly see it in media presented that way. I don't know that I've, well, no, I take that back. The place I went to folklore that I went to in LA, um, like after I'd been there a couple times and got to like, you know, you see the same kind of regulars and they would get to know me as a regular. Like it started to be like, we would all talk about whatever stuff. So especially like they had lots of questions about podcasting or tours or whatever. Like when you got pregnant, that was a big topic Mm -hmm. of conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, not so much if I go to, like, bigger places. But, um, you know, I also think it depends on, how, like, what kind of barbershop or salon it is. You know, I think if you have, like, three people that work there and the same 30 people come every month, I think it's a little bit more of, like, a community building place and gossipy place. Yeah.
1: Certainly. Um, So up in- until the Middle Ages, uh, there wasn't a lot of delineation between the barber and the doctor.
0: And there's a reason for that. They did a Sawbones episode. Yeah. Of this, right?
1: So there was barber surgeons. Um, so a barber could also pull your teeth um, he could lance boils he could do bloodletting um, things like that
0: and there's a reason for that right for a while it was illegal for doctors to do surgery or religious or something
1: there was there was some kind of contingency where the doctor only performed certain things yeah and the sur- the, the barber surgeon did the other things because they
0: were considered like unclean or considered whatever there was so, there was some reason why it wasn't just like all doctors are barbers and all barbers or doctors there were doctors right. and then there were barbers and they were separate things
1: right um but in 1210 in paris mm-hmm. they, oh, they decided here. I remember. <laughs> they decided that they were going to further subcategorize and so there were academic surgeons and then There were barber surgeons and Mm -hmm. they were delineated by the length of their robes. Academic surgeons wore long robes and barber surgeons wore shorter robes.
0: Excellent. And were the academic surgeons like the ones studying to like develop new techniques and understandings and stuff?
1: Right. So these were people who had actually studied to be surgeons um whereas a barber surgeon that was just one of kind of the trades that you picked up
0: can you I think about this all the time can you imagine being alive during a time where you like you would just wake up one morning and be like, I want to be a lawyer now I <laughs> be a, you know what I'm gonna let people's blood like the idea of like well he read a book once so now he's a lawyer like I just love that idea miss those days man I could have been rich all the time I'm a, you know what I'm a businessman now
1: um so again later these two factions kind of merged mm-hmm. under Henry VIII in 1540. Um it was called the United Barber Surgeons Company. But they there was still there was still kind of a separation. So they were sort of together but they sort of weren't. Got it? Um so, barbers displayed blue and white poles and were forbidden to carry out surgery except for teeth pulling and bloodletting, which I guess your basic didn't stuff. Count. Your,
0: your, your inpatient stuff, outpatient, outpatient stuff.
1: And then surgeons displayed red and white striped poles and were not allowed to shave people or cut their hair. Oh. Then again, under George II in 1745, they split again. Okay. So, there's always been this kind of back and forth between barbers cutting hair and barber surgeons and surgeons and it's just all kind of listen to that sawbones it's pretty good
0: yeah I mean it is interesting you think about it because this is so esoteric and weird to think about but like a barber does cut a part of your body off Mm -hmm. like don't get me wrong it's not like an important part of your body or anything you're not going to die because they cut your hair off but like it is a part of your body that grows off your body and you're going to and having a part of your body cut off Maybe don't think about it that way. That's upsetting. Don't, yeah, you don't,
1: maybe don't think about it that way. And I mentioned the, the barber's pole. Um, so <laughs> according to this site, which, you know, take this with a grain of salt because a lot of these things, a lot of people don't really know when or how it started, that the surgeon's pole originated from the rod that the patient grasped in order to make their veins bulge, making their veins easier to cut or slice open for blood lighting.
0: So then the red stripe was blood? Because I've heard that before. It was supposed to represent like blood or something. Is right.
1: That... So the brass ball at the top was was representative of the basin that was used to collect the blood. And the red and white stripes symbolized the blood-soaked bandages, which would be washed and then hung to dry on the rod outside the shop. Gross. The bandages would often twist in the wind, and this forms the spiral pattern that we see on barber poles today. Gross. Like I said... Some of these things may be true. Some of them may yeah. be not true. But I thought that that was some very interesting imagery.
0: Gross. Gross? Gross, gross, gross. All of this is gross? Okay. <laughs> cool, cool, cool.
1: So um, now that we've done sort of kind of ancient history, we want to bring barbers up to the present. Mm-hmm. Um, And I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the the different cultural and um, even sort of uh, neighborhood relationships that go on at the barbershop. During the 19th century, black owned barbershops were visited by mostly very prominent white clientele. Um, It was difficult for a black man to approach a black barber for a shave using the same instruments that he would use on the white customers. Mm. So there was there was a lot of segregation as far as like the the shaving apparatus, the chairs that they were allowed to sit in and all this kind of stuff. Um, So this was considered as far as like the segregation was considered a necessity at the time for their economic stability. Um, as long as white men continued to come to the black barber shops, the barber's family had stability and, you know, they could provide for their families. Um, and it was also an attractive position because uh, the conditions of working inside a barber shop were a lot better than a lot of other jobs that were available. Later, black owned barber shops were opened to serve specifically black clientele. Um, and that was kind of the beginning of this cultural sanctuary for black men. Interesting. Yeah. Um, a prominent barber at this time in 1934, Henry M. Morgan, established the Tyler Barber College, which was the first national chain of barber colleges for African Americans. And that was in Tyler, Texas.
0: Cool. And you said, you, you said black men, but we're still talking about a time... Where like barber shops were men only, right? Right. Like, okay. Um,
1: I suppose if you, uh, I my research hasn't pointed anything that says only men, but I believe that it was more the masculine type cut of the time.
0: Because that's the thing is, uh, unlike now, where you kind of go in and you're like, well, I kind of want to like this. I, I actually, there was a barber in Huntington that I went to a couple times, and when you went in, they had names for every cut and every style, and you would say, like, I would like a Princeton with bangs, which was my thing, and that's that, like, short hair with it spiked up in the front, Princeton with bangs, and, like, you would, you would there was no, like, well, so kind of what I'm looking for are showing pictures or something, like, you would go in mm-hmm. and be like, I would like this specific haircut, and right. that's what they knew how to do.
1: Um, In the 20s, women who requested the bob um, often went to barbers instead of traditionally uh, female salons because still at this time, um, it was kind of risque for women to have their hair cut that short, um, and a lot of salons wouldn't do it. So if you wanted a short, short cut, you had to go to someone who knew how to do a short cut. Um, Speaking of salons... Transition into salon now.
0: Salon, salon, salon. salon. Um, So,
1: salon is a French word. Oves. Mm. Was that obvious to you? It's pretty obvious. Salon. Um, Which actually doesn't really mean a place. I suppose that it means a place in the same way as parlor means a place. It's like a communal
0: meeting, right? Right, exactly. We'll have a salon.
1: Exactly. And traditionally, uh, women were invited to salons as uh, almost kind of a um, social, political, kind of literary meeting um, where whoever was heading the salon would pick out people from probably the same class as her, but who had different political ideologies, Mm -hmm. who came from different backgrounds, and that would enable discussion. Um, this was the female counterpart to the cafe, right? Gotcha. So that's where the the men would make their kind of social, political circles, and um, and would also both of these would turn into almost university type uh, meetings. So, so
0: once again, go, plays along with that like community come in, have discussions it was not just like we're all going to sit here in silence and get our hair cut, And I imagine there was probably also like styling and discussions about fashion and stuff. too. Well, of happened. course, yeah. I
1: mean, anything that was important to the women of the day was available to be discussed. Um, there were, I found several articles uh, talking about how in, in one corner of the salon, maybe women would be speaking about the new, corsets that were introduced and in the other they'd be talking about the american revolution so there was there was a lot of different discussion going on and the idea was that um whoever invited you to their home had kind of given this this carte blanche of of freedom Mm -hmm. for your discussion because you weren't you weren't out in public being seen you had the uh you had the freedom to discuss with your peers, whatever was important to you at the day.
0: That makes sense. I mean, and I, I can also see how that would develop then into what we think of salons now, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? And I keep now saying salon, salon. <laughs> As salons now of this <laughs> idea of like, well, we're all going to get together and hang out. And also while we're there, get our hair styled. you know what I mean?
1: Right. Um, so up until about the 1600s, uh, Women pretty much just did each other's hair. You didn't go to a place. There weren't really, women weren't cutting their hair. They may have been shaving their hair in different areas. Like um, when Elizabeth I was on the throne in England, it was very fashionable to shave your hairline back um, or pluck it. Ouch, right? Ow, that much? Ow. Yeah. Ow, ow, ow. Um, so, but this was going on in the home, usually done by servants or uh, family members.
0: Because a lot of the time, I imagine, you either did wigs and, like, shaved it off or, like, bundled it up so much. Or you mm-hmm. just had huge hair. Like, that was the thing. If you look back, there was a time period which if you had enough free time and money to worry about your hairstyle the style was big right was big hair big enough that you could put a cage in it with a bird in there
1: <laughs> those were probably wigs
0: mm, maybe
1: um, so once once these areas uh, of of higher society ladies basically um, once they started having plumbing um, and you were able to actually wash hair in places you know you as a as a from differently from your body right mm-hmm. um so that requires almost kind of like a, a shampoo bowl and and plumbing and such and um uh that was probably used as early as the eighteenth century um where you kind of had this this almost um the beginning of the idea of like pampering Mm -hmm. right so someone else would wash your hair um and whatever if you could afford to pay for it you could do it
0: by the way that uh and just personally speaking one of my favorite parts about getting my hair cut oh yeah i really like it it's very uh asmr for me having my hair washed by someone else someday i look forward to being able to pay someone to do it full time. <laughs> no, I would, that would be the weirdest thing. What do you do for a living? I shampoo Travis's hair. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Uh,
1: so uh, around this time, uh, the end of the 1800s, there was a self-made entrepreneur named Martha Matilda Harper. She opened the very first public hair salon and she called it the Harper Hair Parlor. Um, She's credited with being the inventor of the salon recliner chair, uh, but she never patented it. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, But she also turned this into a teaching salon. So she started training schools and employed girls in her salon.
0: Well, cool. Um, I think that that's going to cover our history. Um, So maybe we'll do some thank you notes and then head on over to some questions. Speaking of style, can I tell you a secret, Teresa? What is it, dear? Looking good doesn't have to cost a fortune. I
1: know. How do you know? (laughs) How do you know this, Travis? Hold on.
0: Let everyone's minds finish being blown. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Okay. Five Floor Club is revolutionizing the way people shop each month. They send you a curated box of two to three items that are handpicked to match your style. They know what they're doing. So if you don't, totally okay. 5-4 Club will help you build your wardrobe one month at a time. And here's where we get to the affordable part. You get $120 worth of clothes for just $60 a month. And you can pause or cancel at any time. That's a that's great like, deal. That's
1: like half off retail value.
0: That's amazing. And especially like if you're someone like me who never thinks about going and buying stuff until you need it and then it's too late.
1: And you love to shop online. So this I is do. a great way to have kind of a curated online experience.
0: Exactly. So if you want to check it out, you can go to 54 clubcom It's spelled out dot com right now into promo code Schmanners, S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S. And they'll give you 50% off your first month's package plus a free pair of sunglasses. Oh, so sweet that's- stuff.
1: For your sunglasses. first for your
0: first month, that's a hundred and twenty dollars worth of stuff for thirty dollars. That's amazing. That's a great deal. Go check it out. Um, go to 54club.com, promo code Schmanners 54 dot com promo code Schmanners. Also, we are also sponsored by Teresa. Take it away.
1: Sunbasket. So I want to I want to paint a picture in your mind.
0: Okay, let me close mine. Uh huh. Okay.
1: Of when you were younger. And you Having had a hard time seeing it. And you had all summer long to be lazy and do nothing. That sounds wonderful. And sleep in and lay out by the pool. Yes, please. Okay. Well, now think about your hectic summer schedule. Oh God, now.
0: no! Oh, get it away! Oh no, no, no.
1: Sunbasket can help. Okay. okay? So Sunbasket makes it easy to cook delicious, seasonal, nutritional meals, no matter how busy you are. Uh, because they have a selection of organic and non GMO ingredients that are all pre measured, ready to go, and they've got s- meals that fit every lifestyle. So you can choose from paleo, gluten free, vegetarian, breakfast, and even family options. Um, we have had a good sampling of Sun Basket, and let me tell you, I love the way that it's packaged. I love that uh, when you get your box, which is almost 100% recyclable, almost. Um, the meals are in their own bags. So when you want to do the, I don't know, like chicken with uh, cherry tomatoes and and fusilli, other, stuff, other yeah. stuff, it's all there and it's labeled. You just take the one bag out of the refrigerator, put it out on the counter and that's it.
0: And it ends up coming with ingredients you'd never think to buy for yourself at the store. So you end up getting this incredible variety of new stuff that you've never tried before. It's amazing. And right now, you can go to sunbasket.com slash schmanners and get 50% off your first order. That's sunbasket.com schmanners and get 50% off your first order. S-U-N-B-A-S-K-E-T dot com S-H-M-A-N-N-E-R-S. Go now.
1: Hi, I'm comedian Emily Heller. And I'm cartoonist Lisa Walt, And we're the hosts of Baby Geniuses. Do you want to learn weird new facts? Do you like hearing successful creative women talk about their poop? Do you want the scoop on Martha Stewart's pony? If you answered yes to any of these questions, our show is for you. We interview people like Paula Tompkins, Kristen Shaw, Michael Che, and more. So check us out on Maximum Fun. And let us mess up your brain. Yes, please. <laughs> Baby Geniuses, we
0: know everything. Baby Geniuses, tell us something we don't know. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor.
1: Judge John Hodgman ruled in my friend's favor. Judge John Hodgman ruled in my favor.
0: I'm Judge John Hodgman. You're hearing the voices of real litigants, real people who have submitted disputes to my internet court at the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I hear their cases, I ask them questions,
1: they're good ones, and then I tell them who's right and who's wrong. Thanks to Judge John Hodgman's ruling, My dad has been forced to retire, one of the worst dad jokes of all time. Instead of cutting his own hair with a flowbee, my husband has his hair cut professionally. I have to join a community theater
0: group. And my wife has stopped bringing home wild animals. It's the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. Find it every Wednesday at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Thanks, Judge John Hodgman. Okay, we got a lot of questions this week. So let's see how quickly we can move <laughs> through them. This is from Brady. How do I figure out how I want my haircut without going in and looking stupid?
1: Um, A lot of, of stylists really prefer that you have some kind of inspiration picture. Now, you really should discuss with your stylist if this imp- inspiration picture is something that your hair will do because, you know, there's different thicknesses, um, different like calyx, like you were talking about earlier, different parts. So thinness,
0: thickness, all that stuff,
1: all that stuff. So even if you have a picture of what you would like your hair to look like, stylists are often really good at kind of the, the, compromise almost i would say of okay this is something that you want but this is not something your hair will do why don't we try this um and you won't you won't look stupid as long as you have i think a little bit of an idea of what you might like um i wouldn't excuse me i would not recommend going to a stylist you don't know and saying, just do whatever.
0: Don't don't ever do that. that puts, I can't imagine how frustrating that must be. That like, puts a lot no, of pressure no. on
1: someone. Um, if you have a, a long-term relationship with them, you might be able to say something like, you know, surprise me. I'm- or
0: a little bit shorter. You know, it's hot now, so maybe that but different. I, I also think, my recommendation, if you get a haircut that you really like, take pictures of it. And then have those saved on your phone or whatever. And if you go to a new or even if it's just been a while, because I think another thing to think about is people often forget that for you, the customer, it's a singular event. If you go to, you know, your stylist Mm -hmm. but for your stylist, they may see like 10, 12 people a day. So between your appointments, they may have, you know, cut 100 people's hair. So just walking in and saying, do what you did last time might not help them. Right. So I think saying like, you know, I really liked it like this and show them the picture and and go from there. Uh, this next question is from Kat. Is it impolite for me to not talk while getting a haircut? I'm not very talkative while my barber, I- while my barber is and I'm not sure what to do.
1: No, it is not impolite. Um, everything I have found both online and in my personal experience is if, if you are not ready to kind of like talk about your entire life, that's just fine. That's what your experience means to you. So a stylist is usually happy to let your experience be what you want it to be. Um, If they're quite talkative, you may find that if you bring a magazine with you, uh, that they will kind of get the hint or I'm always more into the direct approach and saying I would love to just let you do your thing and and let me relax.
0: Here's the thing, a very important thing to keep in mind and I hope this doesn't sound like I think it's going to. Mm, it probably will. They work for you. Um, I, we got a lot of questions about like being afraid to be rude about wanting something changed about your hair or wanting it cut a specific way or something. And we'll address this as we go down through, but like it's not, it, this is not a collaborative teamwork effort. You are going to them and paying them to do what you want for this thing. This is a service that they are providing to you. Um, so like, unless it's your friend giving you a free haircut I think that the experience goes best when you ask for what you want and treat it as though it is a blank slate experience that you get to dictate how it goes. You know what I mean? And then tip them well, if that's the case. I can't stress this enough. If you go into this the way I do, which is I would like this experience to go exactly how I want it to go. You then need to tip really good at the (laughs) end.
1: And. Travis, I don't think that you're advocating that you argue with your no, stylist. No, no. And
0: you're not going to go in and be a jerk to them or anything. Right. This idea of going in and being like, I'm afraid to say something like, "Don't, no, no, don't do that. Don't be afraid.
1: I think what stylists really like are happy clients, yeah. return clients, um, clients that talk about how great that their stylist was and tell all their friends. Exactly. Um, so that's the kind of experience they want to give you.
0: And don't sound demanding. That's the other half yeah, of my Yeah, you shouldn't advice. be demanding. Don't be demanding. Just know what you want and don't be afraid to say, like, here's what I'm looking for. You know what I mean? And I, I have also learned um, if you can memorize stuff, like, for example, I usually get, like, the back and sides of my head buzzed shorter, right, where then they use scissors and stuff on the top. Remember the length of the guard that they use for the side and the back of my hair rather than expecting them to remember it. Oh, I, my stylists have always appreciated that. If I can say last time you used a three, and then they're like, oh, okay, great. Thank you. <laughs> um, if they ask once again, don't dictate it. I'm like, you used a three, but if they're like, can you remember? And he "Like, yeah, it was a three. Um, this question is from Jordan. Like Velma, I cannot see without my glasses. When the haircutter asks me my opinion of progress. Should I retrieve my glasses every time?
1: Um, I think that. You should keep your glasses with you under your cape. Um, and once they are finished cutting the hair, like that would touch the glasses, put your glasses back on the whole time.
0: Yeah, be careful. It's usually they're worried about around the ears, mm-hmm. you know, because that's where your yeah, hair touches it your glasses, your temples. Um, but yeah, I, so I, maybe
1: I, once they complete those areas, you could put your glasses on and not worry about it.
0: anymore. Also, keep in mind like. This is once again, feels like a singular experience to you. You are not the first person wearing glasses they've ever cut the hair of. Exactly They are expecting you to put your glasses back on. It's okay. Um, this que- oh, okay, this is this was our big question. This is from Sarah Jane. What exactly am I supposed to do if I dislike the haircut?
1: Okay, if you dislike the haircut, you should say it before you leave. Um, like I said, stylists are interested in happy customers, customers that come back, customers that refer their friends, so they don't want you to leave with a bad haircut. If you don't like it, I'm certain that they will do everything in their power to adjust it, to fix it for you. Um, a lot of salons even have uh, 72 hours where if you go away and you, you decide you don't like it, either it's too high maintenance for you or or you find that there's a section that you normally comb one way and they combed a different way, uh, so the length is wrong, all that kind of stuff. You have 72 hours for a lot of places and sometimes even longer uh, to come back and say, I'd like this adjusted. Um, I would say that if you don't like your haircut um, and uh, you they offer you uh, a fix, that fix is part of it included in the price of the full haircut. Don't expect to get your haircut comped for you um, because they did provide a service and they offered to so you're adjust saying it.
0: The fix is the fix and not like, well, I don't like my haircut, so I don't want to pay for it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Um, I also think, especially if it's if you can give specifics of like this is not laying right, I don't like that this sticks out. So rather than just saying like, I don't like this, I've also found not to negate your feelings about the haircut. I've also found that oftentimes when they finish cutting my hair, they don't style it the way I do. Mm-hmm. And so just looking in the mirror, sitting in the chair, it's like, mm. but then I go home and style it myself and it looks exactly like I want it to. So. Right.
1: Which I think is why that waiting period is available for a lot of places. Um, so you, ca- you can live with it for a few hours, days, and then decide if you need to get it fixed. What I would not suggest is going to another stylist to fix a problem before you have gone to the initial stylist, um, because they like any profession. I think that stylists want to do a good job. Mm -hmm. They want their work to be appreciated. So if you just dislike your haircut and you go to a different person to quote fix it, you're, you're not letting the stylist, uh, display their best work.
0: Um, This question is from Amanda, and um, Amanda specifically asked how much is appropriate to tip for a dye job, but I think in general, like, what's the tipping policy? I've always done 20%.
1: In America, it's usually 20%. Now, different cultures have different tipping practices. Um, I would say that the longer you spend in the chair, and dye jobs are usually a longer process than a haircut, um, the more time you're taking up the more skill that's needed um you should tip a little more
0: um this question is from finley i am a trans man who is constantly directed to the women's side of the salon how do i how do i politely ask to go to the men's side and i think once again this falls under like you are there for your experience and i don't think i i i say this a lot but i think it's nice to ask like how do you politely do it But I think there's no harm in saying, like, I'm here for a men's haircut or I am a man, period. Like, you know what I mean? I don't think that there's any harm in saying the thing because they may feel a moment of embarrassment or like, oh, I'm so sorry. Right. And then that moment is over. Mm -hmm. Right. Rather than you having to feel it all day, week, however long that feeling sticks with you say it, say it.
1: Right. And I think one way that you can, that you can have this conversation just once is to make an appointment with your favorite stylist. Um, if your favorite stylist is on the quote men's side of the salon, then you'll just be going to your stylist. Um, and this is where relationship with your stylist at your salon is important so that, uh, they can make you feel comfortable and enjoy your experience. So make you know make friends with your stylist and uh, just make appointments with them, and then you might only have that uncomfortable feeling momentarily.
0: Uh, this question is from Sean. Is it rude to refuse the shampooing before a haircut at a salon? I always feel bad saying no.
1: Um, I think that the way that most stylists are trained to cut hair, your hair does need to be wet. Um, but if you decline shampoo for any other reason, um, you should maybe say, but I will take a rinse.
0: Yeah. I think the important thing is if you want to go and not have your hair washed, don't go with your hair full of gel and mousse and hairspray and, Mm -hmm. you know, pomade and all kind of product that they can't pull a comb through your hair and that, you know, it's going to gum up their scissors and stuff like that. Exactly. Because here's the thing. Hair cutting scissors are very expensive. They are. My my stylist was telling me about how much it costs and like uh, the guy next to her dropped his scissors and she like froze cuz like they're very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um so like keep that in mind. Um but yeah, I think if you're going to go, you need to go with clean hair then. Wash it yourself before you go so that there's no product in your hair. Mm-hmm. Um I personally I like to go with my hair styled the way I like it so then I can say this, but shorter here and here and here rather than going with like hat hair and expecting them to figure out where my hair parts and how my hair sets and all that stuff. Right. So I don't think it's rude. I just personally think you get a better haircut offering them a template beforehand.
1: Sure. Um, and like I said, it's a part of most stylist training that it's done mostly wet. Um, so refusing a shampoo fine. Okay. Uh, but I think you should be try and be open to the idea of at least a rinse, Mm -hmm. something to get your hair wet with.
0: Uh, this question is from Jen. My stylist is always 30 minutes or more late. And sometimes I don't have time to wait for her. What is the polite way to handle this?
1: Um, the polite way is to talk to your stylist when this happens um, and say, what can we do to fix this where you can have the time that you need and I can keep the appointment. Um, and this is like, I, I say this a lot, but you really have to decide how important this relationship is to you because mm-hmm. this is not going to be easy. If this relationship is very important to you, then you should have this conversation and know that this is going to be a hard conversation.
0: Um, This is consistent and like it's your time. Your time is also very valuable. I mean, there's ways of like you can call ahead before you leave the house and say like, hey, my you know, I know that you guys are always busy. My appointments in 15 minutes. Are you running behind? Should I still show up at the same time? If you want to save yourself time or if you get there and they're not ready for you and you need to go somewhere, just go talk to the person in the front and say, hey, my haircut was supposed to be at three and they're not ready. I have an appointment at four. But when it all comes down to it, that's not going to long-term fix the problem.
1: Right. So um, if this relationship is important to you and you want to, and this conversation, like I said, is going to be hard, but here's an idea. You can talk about, I want to continue to get my hair cut by you. How can we make the timing work better for both of us? Um. You have a lot of clients, you take a lot of time, and I appreciate and understand that, but I need to know when to schedule an appointment so that we can both be there at the, at the right time.
0: This is why, if this is the case and they're always getting behind, schedule for the first appointment of the day.
1: That's a great idea as well.
0: That way there's no one for them to get behind on, um, and then pick a day that works for you. Schedule that appointment. I mean, still, still. I think it is important if that doesn't work out for you, if your schedule isn't that flexible, have a conversation with them.
1: Mm-hmm. If if this relationship isn't that important to you, then I would suggest you find another stylist.
0: Yeah. Um Jellyfishologist on Twitter. Oh, has, that's a good one. I like uh, it. Can I bring snacks to the salon? Sometimes my color appointments are like three hours long and I get hungry.
1: A lot of salons, that's just fine. I would ask that uh, that you make sure that your salon is okay with it. Some foods are better to take with you than others. Um, you, you don't want to
0: take stupid stinky kind of stuff? <laughs> you know I, mean? don't.
1: I was thinking more like foods that are difficult to eat.
0: Like a big old juicy burrito?
1: <laughs> or soup. Um, or, yeah, don't you see it. Or something that, that would fall apart in your Duke lap. Do
0: fish crackers?
1: Some, uh, yeah, like crackers or a granola bar or um, maybe like a piece of fruit or something uh, might be easier and more snack-like than, you know, bringing your lunch. But there are some people who really can only get their hair cut on their lunch hour. Um, So talk to your salon, make sure they don't have any prohibited food items. And then uh, I'm certain that your stylist will understand if you need to take a few seconds while they're styling your hair, to take a bite.
0: Um, this question, we're going to do one last question from Joshua. Uh, what's the best way to find a place that can actually cut people of color's hair? A cheap places just try to shear me like a sheep and it hurts. Well, don't. Okay. First and foremost, Joshua, don't go somewhere where your hair hurts. Like this is. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's bad not, idea. They're, they're doing it the baddest.
1: Yes. I think that this is a good place to employ Travis's tactic. Find a person whose hair you like. Um and ask them where they get their hair done go there
0: yeah I, 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 in general that's the best way to go and also these days where we have yelp and the internet like whenever i have moved to a new location and i'm looking the two things i employ the most are yelp and facebook of like i go to my friends who live in that area and say like who can recommend a place because like one It's nice to go in and be able to say, like, my friend such and such recommended you. You know what I mean? Because then that's good for them. It's good for your friends. You know that there's a good relationship there. And your friend is going to build up that relationship with the stylist. Um, But also you go in with some frame of reference Mm -hmm. that you know that they can handle the thing that you want. Right. Um, And, you know, when I moved back here to Cincinnati... I tried like three different places before I settled on the place I go now. And every one of them I went into just off of like Yelp recommendations and they were all fine. But I just wasn't happy with the experience until I went to a place that was recommended to me by a friend. And it was great. Yep. So uh, in general, you know, especially if your hair needs are specific. If you're looking for like a really specific kind of like cut or style or you have hair that needs specific kind of treatment or style, be specific in who you talk to. Be specific in where you go. Um, And as far as like the cost goes, I I, I think that, you know, I I know that there are places where if you haven't gone in for a while and the haircut's going to take a while, you have to pay X amount. And if you're just going in for like. An every month trim or something. Like a cleanup or yeah, something. Yeah, they, they have a discount of that. Or like you can join the quarter awards program or something like that. But my point of view of it, and this is coming from someone who loves their hair and treats themselves. I look at it as a very worthwhile expense. Now, I'm not saying like spend, you know, exorbitant amounts every two weeks or whatever.
1: It's part of personal care.
0: Yeah, but I, I like... To look nice. I like my hair Mm -hmm. to look good. So I pay a little bit more than the cheapest place you can find. Um, So, yeah, that's I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you to MaximumFund.org for hosting our show. Um, Go check out all the other amazing shows there. Like we said, Sawbones does a great episode on Barber. A great. (sighs) There was so many wrong letters in there. Sawbones Did. A great episode <laughs> on Barber's. Um, so go check that out. Um, also, just as a personal thank you, I want to say thank you. I went to Gen Con this past weekend. Uh special thank you to Patrick Rothfuss, who facilitated my being able to go. But also, everyone I met there was super nice. I um, saw some
1: really great cosplay in your pictures. Yeah.
0: And just walking the floor. There are a lot of nice people who stopped to say hello, and I really appreciated it. So thank you very much. Um, let's see what else, Teresa.
1: Um, well, thank you to Brent, Brental Floss Black, as always, for our, our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are sold. Thank you also to Kayla M. Wasso for our Twitter art. Um, thank you to Keeley Weiss Photography for our Facebook banner. That Facebook group is Schmanners Fanners. If you would like to go and join, there's some fun discussion going on there.
0: Uh, This is very important. We did not think of a topic for next week, and there is a reason for that. We will not have an episode next week. We are going on vacation um, starting Thursday. We will be out of town for a while. We'll come back for the next episode. We'll probably do a bio rather than ask it for questions. Um, But so there will be no schmanners next week. I just want to let you guys know that ahead of time. Um, How
1: considerate of you.
0: But yeah, so thank you very much And join us again next time
1: No RSVP required
0: You've been listening to Schmanners
1: Manners, Schmanners, get it?